This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. This uh, topic that we're going to discuss today is actually something that uh, my guest and I have. We seem to circle back and forth on this topic every time we meet, but uh, I think it's a good one. And it is sort of how people make decisions, um, good and bad. And and then, of course, if you're in a service industry, how your clients are making decisions and how you make decisions and other professionals around you and your employees, et cetera, trying to understand those things. So to talk about that kind of thing, you got to you got to talk to somebody who cares about it and reads up on it and knows what they're talking about. That's why Jeff Grinner is with me. Jeff, thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. Uh, for the few people in the world, Jeff, who don't know who you are, uh, at least give us like your high-level CV. Yeah, I do uh, have an RA practice in Scottsdale, Arizona, where we manage assets for some wealthy families and try to make wise decisions for them with regards to U.S. equities, sort of coach them along with regards to kind of psychology that fights against that natural process. That's a little bit of our topic today. Um, founded Cypress Strategies 25 years ago, and we have primarily done auditing of life insurance policies for kind of the same efficiency purposes, and then just managing families' assets and wealth um, sort of the same way we do for our own family's assets. And prior yeah. to that, I was a professional athlete and dealt with a ton of psychology there on the baseball side. Um, as you know, like a Hall of Famer in baseball fails like 70% of the time. And so this idea of dealing with failure and continuing going has really been a part of my life for since I was probably seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you definitely have a lot of experience personally and professionally uh, on this topic. And we could talk about any of those topics. This is not to uh, in any way suggest, Jeff, that you don't know what you're talking about on all of those other investment topics. But this this idea of, of the behavior of clients. Now, neither of us are psychologists, so everybody listening to this should just take it with that large grain of salt. But um, for, you know, if you're listening to people talk who have read like Bob Cialdini books and things like that. That's basically where this conversation is coming from. But we we kind of got onto a topic a few times uh, over coffee, just about helping clients make decisions and help them not be the masters of their own demise. You you want to give that a little bit of color, and we can uh, jump into it. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. There was a, a documentary we watched. It was called uh, 1883. It's a sort of a made up movie topic. And it's like the idea of you know, taking over the West and the gold rush and covered wagons. And you and I talked about this at coffee, but it was like that was literally only 140 years ago. And so going to this idea of fear and survival, I have this belief and it's sort of proven true in this investment business and in my life and sports and everything else that our brains are wired to go first to this fear, panic, fight or flight thing. And in so many endeavors, you know, it will help you survive like leaving your house in a fire. It's super helpful there. It's it's the opposite of helpful in investments and personal performance. Um, but it's just interesting to me that this show called 1883, it was just like a thing we stumbled upon to, but it was noticing that covered wagons and gunfights and arrows and no antibiotics and all these things was, I always refer to it as that was two people ago. Two 70-year-old people back-to-back is 140 years. That's not that long in terms of like human evolution. So 
Right. <laughs> really interesting that all of those instincts were super needed and for this primal survival with, with regards to investment decisions specifically today. And then we can even get into the sports stuff if you like, but just making wise decisions, whether it's from your perspective on estate planning, on my perspective, um, making investment decisions, it's uh, the antithesis to, to a good mindset to make good decisions. Yeah, it, and it's an, it's interesting because, I, and that I'm really only speaking for myself. So this is I, this is me observations of me. So again, to, everybody can take that with a huge grain of salt. But I know for me, my my tendency is when I feel that sort of say fight or flight uh, emotion, particularly in work. Oftentimes, my uh, my first instinct is to freeze and not do anything because now you know my my lower brain is afraid. Like, well, if you do something, then it's dangerous. It could be bad. You know, you can get hurt by it. No different from say doing a podcast like this or you know putting out something professionally. It's the same emotion that has to be overcome to just not just freeze and do nothing because freezing and doing nothing somewhere in my brain feels safe. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, that goes along with. Like one of the Buffett quotes that I stole, I love them. I actually like the Munger quote sometimes better, but the Buffett quote was that in the beginning, we tried to figure out why really, really smart people often do dumb things. And I think this is the answer, right? It's like we yeah, talked about, right. you and I have talked about like the assets that our clients have. So let's just name a few, like we're talking about their brokerage accounts, but then there's real estate, there's water rights, there's oil wells, there's all these, their personal their personal home, for example. Well, the only one of those assets that like lives on their iPhone that you can have notifications dinging is the stock prices, right? So by the same token that you're calling your broker and saying, hey, it's time to sell, I'm getting nervous. You're having these fear responses and doing the opposite thing that you should be doing. You're responding to the chart or the ding or the red line going down on your Amazon stock, for example. Mm -hmm. Whereas your home value is probably dropping in a similar fashion, but you're just, it's just not right in front of you. It's not on your phones. So you're not doing anything. Right. So I would even contend your, your response to like pausing and not doing anything is a step better than panicking and doing the opposite thing, which is what most people do. <laughs> well, you're being very kind. <laughs> I don't know if it always is, but that's, but yeah, that, that's very true. And, you know, you mentioned like phones, you know, the people who design our phones are not morons. They are actually highly sophisticated and they know that people have these sorts of responses. So like you're talking about like your brokerage account or, or whatever, you can have alerts on your phone that tell you when the market is moving and then you're checking it and you're seeing it all the time. And then of course that plays into your behavior as it relates to your own personal investments. And it's all like designed behavior modification within the technology. Totally agree. And so we've tried to set a culture of like at our company of just being literally anti-culture, anti-send me notifications. Um, and you made a good point. All of the algorithms know the things that feed dopamine in your brain. Like that's what you're actually up against. They're writing programs to lead you down paths to either make you fearful of something or sell you something. And neither of those paths is good for your family's personal decisions or your family's legacy or their wealth or their planning or their ask or their investments. So we've tried to set a culture of literally all we do is read all day. It's you know, it's a little bit opposite of what a lot of my counterparts in the industry do. There's a lot of different ways to do the business. 
business, this is just how we do it, is to read, understand financial statements and become unemotional with regards to what's happening with stories or, or political issues or that type of thing. Um, I think Munger famously said, I mean, if you spend 30 seconds thinking about forecasting and what's next, or hey, Jeff, do you think this is coming next? What's going to happen to interest rates next? He says you wasted 30 seconds because it only falls in like two categories. If you mm-hmm. think you forecast, it's either you don't know or you don't know that you don't know. <laughs> Literally, if those two guys don't know, nobody knows, right? So yeah. the only thing we can really do is be wise with regards to understanding like the best advice if we're going to give investment advice is understanding what you actually own. What's happening with the financials of the actual underlying company? And very few people are taking the time to go through that process. Right, right. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and sometimes taking the time is is the key factor. I I, I had a conversation recently where I was explaining to somebody um, that I do some work with that it's it's really a when we feel stress, sometimes it's a very common thing to do to try to get rid of the stress or try to get rid of the thing that is stressing you out. So in, in the particular example, it was it was uh, responding to an email. You get an email, it's maybe the content or the, the context is a little bit stressful. And so the the normal tendency is to just blast off a response unless your tendency is mine, like, you know, sit and do nothing, like, you know, just blast off a quick response. Well, that oftentimes is not the best thing to do. And what you ought to do is take the time Maybe you write it out, but then take the time to review it. Make sure like it is saying what you think it's going to say. You know, all your attachments are really the things that you think they are and then send them off. Obviously, I'm, I'm explaining something in more of our professional capacity. Uh, but that if, but if you have to actually fight against what is a normal human response to just have a quick action to get rid of the stressor. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it goes, it's like, I think I share with you, I've been taking notes, writing bullet points. I'm, I, I've now called it, hey, I'm writing a book. I'm writing an outline for a book. And it's on this topic because it ends up like usurping and a placing, uh, popping up everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. Personal, professional, sports, all the things that I'm interested in and a lot of people are interested in. Um, on that note of, again, avoiding your natural instincts are usually the wrong thing for performance. I think I shared with you, but to share with the audience, this idea that I have a, a good friend that owns owns the Baja 500. And I was talking to him about this topic of performing in sports and, you know, in baseball, the equivalent of dealing with stress is like facing a hundred mile an hour fastball. Like your natural instinct is to get your heart rate up and focus really hard. And what actually you need to do is slow your heart rate down so your eyes can work and you can move fluidly. That's not natural because something's coming at you really fast. There's a chance you get hurt and there's a really good chance you don't have success. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he responded and he said it's really interesting. And not, and not hurt a little bit. Right. You know, there's a chance that if you get hurt, it will be... Not a little bit. Agreed. It's a, you know, it's a five ounce rock basically coming towards your head at a hundred miles an hour. You have like 0.29 seconds to make a decision. So not the easiest thing in the world to do. And my friend said that he said, it's the same thing in Baja racing, which is foreign to me. And I didn't get it, but it was just like, I don't understand the athletic side of dealing with a machine. Like that's what they're dealing with. And he said in a 500, it's an endurance race. And the key point was where you're ignoring your natural human instinct is as you're heading over these jumps and these ruts and these bumps and the car shaking, your natural instinct is to do what? And he said, like to tense up and squeeze your midsection and core to get rid of the pain. He said, but if you do that, you'll fatigue and you'll be done driving in like 30 miles. So the way to actually win is to, again, 
again, slow your breathing down, relax your midsection, deal with the pain a little bit, and then now you can go 200 miles. And it's the same thing when it comes to investments. It's like another, you know, another Munger quote is like the stock market is a, a transfer tool. It's basically a market to transfer things. And he says you transfer things from the inpatient to the patient. That's what actually is happening in the market is people that are reading headlines, making decisions, and following their natural instincts are literally selling low and buying high. And so it's really interesting that that one idea of learning to adapt and do something different in your instincts is the key to success. Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. That There's a slightly different uh, uh, version of that that a mutual friend of us of ours will say, and it's something along the lines of, well, whenever you buy something in the market, it means somebody thinks it was overpriced. And when you buy it, you think it's underpriced. And you, you find out in the future who the fool was. Mm, that's you know? really <laughs> But but I think the Munger point is like, well, you'll find out in the future because you're going to be patient and then and then you'll know. Uh, Yeah, that's really interesting. You had you had told me another story about patience and impatience that I thought was a, a really good one as it comes to investments about buying buying high and selling low that I thought was uh, pertinent to the audience. Do you remember which one that was? Uh, this was uh, your your friend or client. Now I can't remember who who sold low twice. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I actually talked to him this morning. I obviously won't mention him by name, and but it's, it's a pattern that's not specific to him. But this is what we fight all of the time. So I have an account pulled up now, and it's like this active, thoughtful process that we go through has been successful. The S&P was down 18.11% last year. The account looking at was down to roughly seven. And that is representative of an account where the client's been with us for 10 years and they've accepted this lack of emotion, just analytical approach. 100% all bought in. This other client that you're mentioning is an incredible business person, very um, alpha type A driven, built an amazing estate by being a strong leader and, you know, running to fires and putting fires out. I talked to him today and I said, this thing that we have, and I, I have it too as a competitive, you know, former athlete, I had to retrain myself that, oh, there's a problem, go do something. And applying that thing to investing is real challenging. And the story you're talking about sounds like this. So, twice, uh, he took a risk profile and he profiled the same as me. I'm pretty extreme on, I'm mostly always in equity because I understand the risk and I understand that through inflation and through depressions that strong companies are what make pull you through. He's still trying to figure that out emotionally. He gets it analytically. So twice, uh, the example you're mentioning in 2022, he sent me a text message and essentially said, paraphrasing, Hey, I'm getting nervous. I want to stop buying and I want you to sell a few things. So at the end of the year, you know, I mentioned that some of the accounts were maybe only down 7%. His was down roughly 11 or 12. He still beat the S&P by a lot, but had double the losses that we other families had. And so I had to go have a meeting with him and say, hey, you know, because I love you and I care about you, I, I have to show you this chart. And I overlaid the dates of his two text messages with what happened to the very volatile markets in 2022. And he literally bottom ticked twice within like 24 hours. So the two points that we should have been going hard in the paint and buying more and getting liquidity from him and making purchases, he asked us to pause and he additionally asked us to sell things because they were they were down further than made him comfortable. So he was literally responding to these concerns and fears. And in his mind, he's such a good leader in his day-to-day business. The answer is go do something, stop the fire, push pause, and 
again, then you, then you read all the Buffett and the Munger statements, and it's like the stock market is a transfer vehicle from the inpatient to the patient. We try to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. You have to do the opposite of what you're actually feeling, your emotions. And like a pastor friend of mine um, said it once, he's like, you can feel that fearful pride thing like rising in your chest. When you feel that, you probably shouldn't do anything. Like pause, calm down, think about facts. Like you said, step away from it for a few minutes then maybe make a decision. But that instance um, with that client in 2022 was fascinating that it was so on point with the two bottom points of the market. It meant that he knew from things he was reading or his phone dinging or notification, he batted a thousand picking the bottom twice, but he did the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> and he hadn't shorted it either. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you're brilliant. You picked the bottom twice. We just have to have a different response next time. Yeah. So. That's really interesting. Well, and, and well, and as as you set up with him, it, that can be true. Where sometimes those instincts are it, are really good and really handy in one set of circumstances, like certain types of businesses or the way that you operate in some scenarios, you know, like a very extreme life and death kind of scenario, etc. But then really bad for investments. Really bad. Totally agree. I mean, another quote on this thing, this is from Peter Lynch. Um, we have a, we have the habit of not following the facts, responding to our emotions, and then rewriting the narrative to fit the thing that we think we believe. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what we're actually doing. It's like, ignore oh, yeah. the facts. And his quote on this is, he just says, we have a habit of distorting facts until they become bearable for our own view. Mm -hmm. Again, like deprogramming yourself away from your emotions and towards logic and reason. Um, I think I mentioned this to you. We have two clients in 2022 that are like highly successful self-made people, really amazing business. If we were going to start a company together, we would want them on our board. I promise you. They're brilliant. And they both like pulled in and out of the markets at the wrong times in 2022. And they both have said to me, we've become close enough that I can speak directly, as directly to them as I am to you right now. And they both have just said verbatim, hey, listen, I get it. You're actually preaching to the choir at this point. I get it numerically. I need you to teach me how to do it psychologically. Mm. I was like, wow. Yeah. Interesting. You literally, you know, my brain is always thinking, oh, they just, oh, Brent, I just got to teach you the math a little bit better. Then you'll get it. They go, no, we get the math. We don't psychologically know how to stay in when we see it going down. And that goes to, you know, another legendary quote by Buffett. He's like, you could teach a monkey how to do this. If not for the human emotion, it's really easy to figure out. Right. So, um, you know, maybe we're headed towards a point at some point here in the next 10 or 20 years with chat GPT or AI, where that'll be another, an easier method of removing the fear um, and just dealing with analytical, non-emotional sides. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. That there's a lot that remains to be seen there. If, if I, if um, technology is in the past is an indication of technology in the future, it will reflect back our emotions to us in mm -hmm. some way that will may not be as helpful as or as uh, transformative as as we think it will be. But uh, well, this is uh, this is such an interesting topic. I could uh, I could talk to you about it all afternoon, um, but I know you're also a busy person with things to do, so I can't uh, keep you that long. Jeff, if people are trying to find you, what is the best way for them to find you? Yeah, my name is spelled G-E-O-F-F, -F, last name's G-R-E-N-E-R-T. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my email address is Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, -F, at Cypress, C-Y-P-R-E-S-S, 
nvlikenevada.com. Okay, excellent. And, and of course, I'll put uh, Jeff's contact information in the show notes, or you can Google him. He exists. Um, you'll find him in the Googles. Um, but also, if you're searching for him in some convenient place, his uh, contact and links and things will be in the show notes. Jeff, I cannot thank you enough. I know you're a busy guy with tons of things on your plate. So for you to carve some time out for me is is really humbling. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing this. You know, I had a couple conversations over the last six months where we said, oh, we should have recorded this. And um, hopefully we recreated the essence of some of that here today. Yeah, I think so. Thanks again. Thanks, Brad. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealthandlaw. I'll see you there.